So I'm actually pretty excited to be here uh, and speak tonight. This is an awesome opportunity. If it, does, if it goes poorly, you can blame Stephen Williams because he's the one who nominated me. <laughs> so, um, and I do want to try to keep this brief because uh, you know, I think the Spirit wants to minister through us to one another. Uh, so I'm going to do my best to kind of keep this uh, fairly brief. So let's, let's go ahead and pray and then we'll jump into the word here. <clears throat> Father, we uh, come before you, and we thank you so much for your goodness in our life. We thank you that you're a good father. Uh, We thank you that you're here by the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you want to speak to us, that you want to uh, transform us into the image of Christ on the earth. And that's 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 an amazing thing, Lord, that you want to take us in our our sin and darkness and and bring us into your light uh, and see us transformed. Uh, so we, we make ourselves fully available to you tonight, Lord. Pray that you would speak through me and that you would speak through all of us. Um, and we just offer ourselves uh, to you, Lord, that you would do your work in us. In the name of Jesus, amen. <clears throat> okay, so we have been talking about the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Dan Hamill, my brother-in-law, which is an honor to be able to call Dan Hamill my brother-in-law, he spoke, uh, I think it was three weeks ago, um, and his topic was uh, how vital it is for each one of us to be operating in the gifting that God's given us. So he talked about uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and how we are all members of this body and we all play a very vital part. Uh, and it's only when we're all moving in our gifting that we can actually accomplish what God wants the body to accomplish um, you know, so it's not just Ben up here, like he was saying, it's not just about Ben operating in his gifting, but each one of us, uh, God calls us to operate fully in the gifting God's given us. And then a couple of weeks ago, Ben did an awesome job, I think, kind of introducing, um, just kind of, he, he kind of went through three portions of scripture, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4, uh, and he kind of listed all the different gifting or the different uh, things that God has given us to, to move in. Um, so Romans 12, it talked about service, teaching, exhortation, giving, generosity, leadership, and mercy. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, um, it kind of goes through a list of the gifting of uh, wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, ability to distinguish between spirits, various tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And so that portion of Scripture is more kind of like the mystical gifting is kind of how I see it. And then Ephesians 4, it talks about the different um, kind of positions in church leadership and the, and the gifts that God gives the body in terms of leaders. Uh, and that included apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and preachers. Um, so, so we see in Scripture that God has offered us many various gifts in, in many different ways. Um, so what I want to talk to about tonight is what uh, I want to kind of list some things that I think uh, prevents us from operating fully in the gifting that God has placed within us. Uh, and, I, and I kind of want to focus on these first Corinthians 12 kind of gifting. And this is this is kind of the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the gifting that we see that usually accompanies that um, when we see people baptized in the Holy Spirit in the in the book of Acts. You, you usually see this accompanied by 
you know, speaking in tongues, prophecy, healing, all these things. And I think those are some things we don't think a lot about. Um, so in general, I, I have seven points. Actually, it's funny because I wrote my teaching and I ended up with six points. And I thought that was a bad number of points to have. <laughs> so I, I added another one. So one's completely fake. <laughs> but uh, I'm not going to tell you which one. So you have to be <laughs> I don't, I don't know if any pastor has ever had a six-point teaching, but I almost did. So. But anyway, so the, fir- the, first, uh, the first thing I think prevents us from operating in our gifting is um, that we don't believe it's necessary. We don't believe operating in the gifts of the Spirit is necessary. We, we might think prophecy, speaking in tongues, service, leading, all these things— they're neat, and it would be awesome if we did those things, but it's kind of optional. You know, it's a nice accessory to our walk with Christ, but not necessary. Uh, you might be of the perspective, yeah, those things are kind of these interesting, weird things that the charismatics do, but it's, uh, it's not really necessary for us to, to operate in these things. <clears throat> uh, so in other words, we, we feel like these things are optional. Um, so I would personally, I would completely disagree with this perspective. Uh, and I would say if we truly want to accomplish God's purposes in the earth, uh, it's not optional. It's completely necessary that we are operating in the gifting that God has given, given us. All the gifts that the Lord has given us, uh, it's crucial that we are operating in those things to see his kingdom extended. And I think we see Jesus communicate this in the, uh, the beginning of Acts, Acts 1, 4 through 8. Um, and I'll read this. Uh, so this is, this is Christ speaking before he ascends into heaven, and he's kind of commissioning the, the disciples. Uh, and it says, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then it goes on to say, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And then at that point, Jesus ascends into into heaven. Um, So I think it's interesting here. When Jesus commissioned the church before ascending to heaven, he didn't say, okay, so I died. I did the work on the cross. Uh, I'm alive again, so go. You know, go, go save the world. Go, go preach the gospel. Go convince people of the, the gospel. No, he says, what does he say? He says, wait. Um, wait until you are endued with power from on high through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and that's exactly what we see the church do. They're praying in the upper room for 40 days or so, and then the power of God falls on them. We see the baptism of the Holy Spirit in their lives, and then that's when they step out in power. That's when they can preach with authority. That's when they see the sick healed. They speak in various tongues, and that's when you see 2,000 people added to the church in a single day. So I believe if Christ had said that and then all the disciples decided, okay, let's go save the lost. I don't think it would have been very effective. I think, I think the baptism of the Holy Spirit and operating in our giftings is, is essential to seeing his kingdom advance. All right, 
Uh, 1 Corinthians 4.11, this was a portion of scripture that Ben touched on. Uh, and it says, um, so this is Paul. And, and I'll mention, it's interesting in Corinthians, this portion of scripture that talks about all the gifts of the Spirit. It's unfortunate that the, 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 mo- the most content we have in scripture about these gifting is, is actually telling the church how not to do things. Because they were using the gifting in an improper way. Uh, but for better or worse, that's kind of where we see a lot of this teaching. Uh, but it's in this portion of Scripture that Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14.1, uh, he calls us to earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that we may prophesy. Um, and I think it's important to, to notice that this, is, uh, this isn't a suggestion. This is, uh, he's, he's commanding the church to do this. <laughs> Earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Uh, so I'm curious how, um, how faithful we are to this command. Uh, I think there's a lot of commands in Scripture uh, that we take seriously, you know, like don't murder, don't lie, don't cheat, all these things. But this is just as much a command uh, that we would, we would earnestly desire these spiritual gifts. And it's not just a matter of, kind of hoping God will move in this way, but earnestly desiring means seeking and pursuing and wanting to see our gifting fully uh, express itself in the, in the body. Um, so that's the first one. We, we don't think it's necessary. So the second, the second thing I think prevents us uh, is that we simply don't ask. You know, I think, I think this happens a lot in our walk with God. We, we see things we, we need, know need to happen or we want to happen, but we simply forget to ask God. And I think this is the greatest source of strength. I think that's why we see Christ always, you know, taking time away to pray and to be with the Father. Because his source of uh, power or ministry was simply going to the Father and, and asking him. <clears throat> so I'm going to read Luke eleven nine through 13. And this says... And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish instead of a fish, will give him a serpent? Or he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And uh, I've heard, uh, or I've read, I haven't heard Andrew Murray, but I've read uh, him comment on this portion of scripture. And you see like over five times kind of the same things communicated. Ask and you will receive. And he mentions that the reason, the reasons it's repeated so many times is how desperately do we need to hear that? You know, how often do we forget um, that our source of provision simply comes from asking in faith from the Father. Um, so if we ask, he will provide, uh, but we still have to ask. We can't skip that step. James 4, 1 through 2 says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. Um, so again, I think this, uh, there's so many things people want in life, and they try to get it in so many different ways. 
but the, the way we receive it is simply coming to the Father and asking. And I know the Father desires to pour out his gifting and power in our life. Um, I want to share a story uh, about how Elizabeth Williams Sr., so Stephen Williams' mom, received the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because I think it's a really cool story. Um, and my mom's here today, which is awesome. So she probably knows, uh, she probably witnesses firsthand. So if I have any details wrong, just don't, don't tell me. <laughs> um, but so I've heard my dad talk about this. So Elizabeth, uh, you know, this is early on. She met the Lord. And since then, she's been a very passionate follower of Christ. Um, and then she heard about the, the gift of the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And she came to my dad, who was, I think at that time, it was just a campus ministry. And she said, hey, I've, you guys have been talking about this baptism in the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so how do I get that? I, I'm interested in that. How do I get that? And so my dad, I think he gave her some stuff to study and said, well, why don't you come by our house? Uh, you know, I'll have some of the leaders of the campus ministry there. So study this stuff and come by and then we'll lay hands on you and pray for you. Uh, so she went and studied and then she showed up that evening. And I think all the leaders were sitting there on a couch and she walks in and she just stomps and she says, I want it. And then she was filled with the Holy Spirit and she began speaking in tongues. And all the leaders are sitting there kind of confused, looking at each other, like, what's going on here? Um, and I share that to illustrate that the Father desires to pour out his Holy Spirit into our lives. All we have to do is ask in faith. Okay, uh, so the third point, this isn't the fake one, I promise, um, is uh, you don't know what to ask for. I think maybe there's some people... Uh, this is new to you. It is throughout. We see this throughout Scripture. All these things happening, but it might be kind of new to you and kind of foreign to you. So you you actually don't know what to ask for. Uh, and Paul ran into some people like this in Acts nineteen verses one through six. Uh, it's it's people who were baptized by in the teaching of John the Baptist. Uh, and I won't read the whole portion of Scripture. Uh, but Paul runs into these folks and he says, hey, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they said, we haven't heard about the Holy Spirit. And he said, well, how were you baptized? What, what were you baptized into? And they said, we were baptized into John's baptism. And uh, he said, well, now there's the Holy Spirit. And he shared the gospel of Christ. Uh, and then in verses five and six, on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Um, so I want to encourage you, uh, if this is kind of the position you're in, if you've never heard about these things, uh, study the Bible uh, and get around people who've kind of operated in these things and seen these things. Uh, because because I, I feel like there's a lot of us who don't realize how much God wants to bless us and in how many ways God wants to pour out his Holy Spirit and power into our lives. Okay, um, number four, we are content with living without the gifts. This is kind of like my first point, but it's, it's a little bit different. Uh, we're content with living without the gifts of the Holy Spirit or the power of the Holy Spirit working through us. Um, and uh, I, to illustrate this point, I want to talk about Exodus 33. And this is um, 
And I'll kind of set up the context here. So this is where the Israelites have been in the desert. They went to Mount Sinai. God shows up and he, he gives them the Ten Commandments. They come down. And then Moses discovers the people worshiping a golden calf. Uh, and this breaks Moses' heart. This breaks God's heart. And I think this is a pretty astounding portion of Scripture. Uh, and for a long time, I never realized this happened. Uh, so that happens. And then uh, Moses kind of reconvenes with the Lord in prayer. And God says, um, you know, I, I can't go on with you guys. Uh, you know, uh, the, the thing with the golden calf and at every step you guys are kind of denying me or not trusting in me. So I can't go with you guys anymore. And he says, I'm going to keep my promise. I'm going to lead you into the promised land. I'm, gonna, I'm even going to send an angel to drive out the inhabitants of the promised land so that you guys can get there. But I'm not going to go with you. I'm, I'm, I just can't do it. I can't go with you anymore. Uh, so I want to read how Moses responded to that. And, and I, I like to think, or I'm curious what would have happened if Moses didn't respond this way. Our history, the history of the scripture would be very different. But in verse 15, Moses said, uh, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring me up from here. So in other words, um, you know, God it's not about the promised land. If you don't go with us, we don't want to go. And, and I really cry out that that would be our heart as a body. If his presence isn't with us, we don't want to go anywhere else. You know, Moses is like, if you're going to be here in the desert, that's where I want to be. Um, and I think a lot of churches have been brought to this same point and decided to kind of move on without the Holy Spirit, to move on without the presence of God. Um, but I want to be a church that, uh, that doesn't do that. You know, we say, unless your spirits and unless you're moving, we don't want to go. I'll mention, uh, in the, we don't really see this happen in the third world. If you go, I've been to several different places, Haiti, Mexico, Nicaragua. And if you visit churches there, you really, it's, it's interesting. You will rarely attend a church where you, you don't see the gifts of the Holy Spirit moving pretty powerfully. And I think that's because they really don't have any other options. They don't really have anything else they can lean on. You know, I think the church in America, you know, we're pretty wealthy. I mean, this church is pretty wealthy. Uh, and we can, we can kind of make do without the presence of God or the power of God. Um, but you don't see that a lot of places where that's kind of all they have. And, and I want that to be our church, too. I want that to be the only thing we have is God's power and presence moving in us. Okay, number five, and I'm trying to get through these pretty quick here. Um, pride and the fear of – or pride – actually, I didn't know how to name this one. But it has to do with pride or the fear of humiliation. Um, so I think sometimes we don't want to step out, step out in the gifting that God's given us because we might think we'll look silly or, or something like that. Um, and, and I'll give it to you. It, 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 uh, some of the things Jesus did when guided by the power of the Holy Spirit looked pretty silly to the onlookers. I think about, um, you know, when he healed that blind man. He, uh, could you imagine Actually, it was, it was really weird. I saw a blind person today when I was studying this. I went for a bike ride, and I saw someone who was blind, and so I didn't try this. But 
but could you imagine you're walking and you see someone who's blind and God says, all right, what I want you to do is spit in the dirt, take that dirt, stuff it in their face, and then tell them to go wash and then they'll receive their sight. So we know when Jesus did this, it's, it seems normal to us because we've heard that story since we were young. But that's really weird. That's very weird. I don't think I would be on board with that. If God told me to do that, I, I mean, I know I'm, my teaching is we should be willing to do this, but that would be very difficult. We could look very silly doing that, especially if it didn't work, right? Um, <clears throat> so I think this holds us back. Uh, but I don't think we should. I think uh, this is a tough one, I think. Uh, but I think we should allow um, kind of what we can see happen. Like that man was set free from blindness. And that should motivate us to be willing to step out in whatever God calls us to do. I think this story is, um, is illustrated pretty well in the story of Naaman in the Old Testament. Uh, I think most of us know the story of Naaman. And, and I'll say as a side note, it's kind of interesting because I, I was preparing for this teaching and then I felt like God put this story on my heart. And, uh, and I felt like it confirmed that it was from him because that night I was, uh, I always study with Levi. I study the Bible with Levi before he goes to bed. So while Asher's going to sleep, I'll read, uh, I'll read Levi's Bible to him and then he'll lay down while Asher goes to sleep and I'll read my Bible. Uh, so I sat down and I opened his Bible to the place we had the bookmark and it was on the story of Naaman of all things. And I was like, well, maybe this is God telling me that this is, I need to share this. And so I finish, he lays down and then I opened my Bible and it was on the story of Naaman as well, <laughs> which I believe, I totally believe in coincidences. So I think it could be a coincidence, but I also think that was kind of, kind of unique. Um, so the story of Naaman, uh, he was the commander of Aram. Uh, and so most of us know the story. He had leprosy, and then they heard that um, there was someone in Israel who could heal him of leprosy. So there was kind of exchanges between the kings. And then finally, Elisha said, uh, yeah, I can heal him. Send him to my house. Um, so that kind of sets up the story. But I'm going to read uh, 2 Kings 5, 9 through 12, <clears throat> if you want to turn there. Okay, so Naaman shows up at Elisha's door, and it says, uh, So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent out a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh will be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and went away, saying, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me, and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God, and wave his hand over the place and cure the leprosy. Are not Abna and Farfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? Uh, so he turned and went away in rage. Um, and side note, so this doesn't have to do with my main topic here, uh, but I think there's a great teaching in this story uh, for us, when we ask God to do something in our life, when we ask, it could be physical healing, but it could be that God, we ask him to fix a situation in our life. Um, and how often are we like Naaman, where we say, well, I thought God was going to show up and wave his hand and fix my problem. 
Uh, but oftentimes, God will uh, fix our problems in a different way than we expect. And we might not receive that. We might be like Naaman and, you know, turn away in rage. Um, but luckily for him, his servants convinced him to come back. And they said, you know, if God had asked you to climb a mountain or do some great feat, you would have done it to be healed. But this is a very simple thing. You just have to baptize or, you know, wash in the Jordan River. Um, and I think this is kind of uh, synonymous with baptism. Uh, you know, this is the same place that Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River. Uh, but it was this uh, pride in Naaman that prevented him from being willing to wash in the, the river and be clean. Um, and I often think it's the same with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's this pride in us, or maybe this fear of looking silly, that prevents us from receiving uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit or receiving or stepping out in the gifting that God gives us just simply because, you know, we, we don't want to look silly. Um, but I think we should really cry out to God to give us uh, the grace to really step out in the things that he calls us to do. All right. Um, number six would be uh, not thinking you're good enough uh, to receive these gifts or to, to move in these gifts. And I think this is a dangerous perspective um, that affects many of our walks or many aspects of our walk with God. <clears throat> I think this is one of the oldest tricks of the enemy to try to convince us that we're not good enough. In fact, uh, you know, this was my first thought when I was nominated to teach tonight. I heard Stephen say my name. I was like, why is he nominating himself? It was my first thought. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> my, my second thought was, uh, oh, no, I can't do that. Uh, I'm not a good speaker. Um, you know, and then I started thinking about the things that I was ashamed of in my life. And thinking, oh, I, do I have in integrity? You know, am I really good enough to share the, you know, the, a teaching with the body? Uh, so luckily I was able to overcome that fear. Um, so I want to settle this once and for all for me and for all of us. If you don't think you're good enough to receive God's gifting and blessing, then you're absolutely right. It's, it, none of us are. None of, none, none of us are good enough. Um, Moses was not good enough to, to set the people of Israel free. Uh, but he loves us, and he wants to bless us. It's not about us at all, and it's all about how much he loves us and how much he wants to pour out his blessing into our life. <clears throat> uh, isn't that awesome? That's so good. I wish I had time to read Ephesians 1. Uh, but that's the portion of scripture where Paul, you know, he's writing this letter to the, the church at Ephesus and he just gets lost, I feel like, naming all the things that God wants to bless us in. That's where it says he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. And I feel like Paul kind of started writing about these blessings and then he just kind of stopped and he listed all these things that God has accomplished for us um, through Christ. And it doesn't say... He will bless you. It says he has blessed you. So he's already blessed us with all these things. It's just a matter of us coming to him and saying, Father, pour those things out in my life. Um, I also think it's worth noting that uh, when Adam and Eve sinned, 
Uh, God didn't take his presence from them. Uh, They hid from him. Have you ever thought about that? They were ashamed and they hid from God. Uh, And I think that can oftentimes be the thing that that holds us back is this, this shame. But God wants to wipe through that completely. That's why he sent his only son to die for us. It's to remove that shame uh, to allow us to operate in the things that he's uh, called us to. Okay, so the final point uh, is not making room for the Holy Spirit to move. Uh, And I think this could be the number one reason why uh, we're held back from operating in the the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, we, d- we don't allow the spirit to move or we don't make room for the spirit to move. We're so quick to answer in our own understanding. We're so quick um, to try to solve problems ourselves. We don't step back and allow the spirit to move. Um, it's no secret that the modern church in America really likes uh, production. You know, they like to have a well-produced church service. Uh, maybe not so much us, but um, you see that uh, in the church these days. I'm sure a lot of you have seen those, those clocks in the back. It's a countdown. And the reason they have that is so that everything happens at its proper time. Everything is planned down to the last minute. So we don't have one of those. We have a regular clock. So I think sometimes Ben's just trying to see how high he can go. <laughs> so we don't have a countdown. It's, it's how high can you go? Um, but, but the church, the modern church, likes to have everything planned. Uh, and I really believe that prevents the Holy Spirit from moving. Because uh, you can't put a timer on the moving of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to move. But if we have everything planned, he has no room to move. Um, so why do we do this? I think it's because we like control. We like to be in control of everything, really. And we don't like to give the Holy Spirit control. We don't like to give God control. Uh, So for that reason, we want everything planned perfect so nothing goes bad. Um, But I think this really hinders the Holy Spirit. And so I mentioned it's easy to attack the church, the modern church, as this idea. But I I do want to bring that back to us. Maybe, Maybe we are also guilty of this in many ways. You know, if someone comes and seeks your counsel, how quick are you to answer in your own understanding? Would it be better to allow the Spirit, uh, give time for the Spirit to move uh, and to minister? In our home fellowship meetings, do we give time for the Spirit to move, even in this service, which I think it's been awesome. I think I was, I was bummed I was teaching last night, but we were giving time for the Spirit to move. Um, one of my favorite, uh, and I'm almost done here, one of my favorite services of all time uh, was about 10 years ago. Um, I think Ben and I were leading a CTS, and it, we had a special speaker um, lined up. I think it was a Monday night. I think it was David Ravenhill or someone was flying in to, to speak. And I was so excited because I love this guy. I thought he was so awesome. Every time he spoke, God spoke to me, and I was so excited that he was going to be there uh, to teach. And then about 30 minutes um, before the service start, I got a call and they said, oh, hey, David's plane was rerouted and he's not going to be able to make it tonight. Um, and I'm, uh, you can ask Ben, I'm not good at acting on my feet. So I, I usually just kind of don't know what to do in those scenarios. 
Uh, so we, we decided we would just have the meeting uh, with absolutely no plan. So we, we said, hey, we, we had a teaching plan, a teacher plan, he can't make it. So we're just gonna start the meeting. Um, so we started the meeting you know, with worship, but then God moved in the most powerful way. He spoke to me uh, very intimate, detailed things. He moved, there was, you know, people were ministering to each other and it's all because we didn't have it planned out. And the Holy Spirit had the opportunity to move and minister uh, at will. Um, so that, that's always stuck with me. When we allow time for the Holy Spirit to move, then he will move and he will minister to us. So I, I really believe that God is waiting for us to give him the stage. Instead of planning everything, just offer, offer the stage to God and allow him to move. Um, and I'll close with saying, um, I'm really convinced that God shows up to every single meeting. You know, sometimes we say, oh, the Holy Spirit really moved that night, or God was really there that night. Uh, but I'm convinced that every Christian meeting that occurs, God is there, and he's ready, and he's willing to move. So it's just a matter of us um, giving him the opportunity to move. Uh, so I want to encourage us, and I, I really see us moving in that direction as a body. Uh, so I just want to encourage us in that way. Um, so I think the, the worship team can come up, and uh, we'll spend some time in ministry. And you might come up here too, Ben, and kind of direct us. But I, uh, I just want to say, First Timothy 1.6, it says, Paul is talking to Timothy and says, For this reason I remind you to fan into fame or stir up, as it says in the King James, the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Um, so we're going to take some time to worship and, and minister. Uh, so I want to encourage you in this time, let's, uh, let's allow God to stir up the gifting inside of us uh, and to minister through us. Um, so I just want to encourage us in that way. So you want to come on up? Thank <laughs> you.